1: Welcome, friends, to another r/slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got some great stories of compliance, and our first story of the day is from My Kids Found My Reddit, another business travel one. All the expense and travel stories on here remind me of a job I had a few years ago that involved a lot of international travel. My region was EU and APAC, and I was somewhere new every two to three weeks. The company had grown fast, and the rules were be sensible, but they looked after us road warriors because we were selling. So business class had 4 hours plus, and decent hotels and meals were the norm. No one asked too many questions if your numbers were good, and your bosses were smart enough to see anyone being a jerk on the exes, and they'd come down on you if they thought that. It was a good system with checks that worked with minimal oversight and admin. However, we also paid for this stuff up front and a couple of biz class tickets and hotels and transfers could easily be 10 to 20k a month on the personal credit card and delaying payment of that men fees. Miles were a great bonus though. So we get bought, and the new finance Nimrod decides he's going to check everyone's exes. Fine, I don't overspend or take liberties, so I'm pissed off when my whole month comes back as unpaid. This is like a 2 week process and I need to clear my credit card to get the next round of travel in, which means I either front the company or I don't go. I ask what's wrong and have several convos with people insinuating I'm living life on the large, which pisses me off even more. Eventually my boss figures out that they've seen a receipt for a limo from the airport and they're not paying it. I'm racking my brains trying to figure this out because taking a limo isn't something I would do. Unless all other modes of transport are not there. I go back through my receipts and notice my bus ticket from Narita to Tokyo is on the limousine bus. Freaking idiots. It gets paid. But now, all this has apparently created a hoo-haar internally, of which I was unaware about. Who gets to ride in airport limos and who doesn't? and the decision is made that if you're important enough for a biz-class ticket, you should get a limo if you want one too. Cue hordes of salespeople lining up limos when they'd previously take trains, cabs, or buses. The policy lasted about a month before sanity prevailed and the old system was reinstated. Never had another query about my exes. Almost every single time these kinds of stories involve getting trouble when a new manager comes in or a new company takes over. These people spend a bunch of money to buy out this company and then immediately try to cut all costs to try to, I don't know, recoup their investment. And all they end up doing is pissing off the loyal workers who had a good system going. If you worked a job where you had to schedule your own travel, would you try and schedule as lavish as you could get away with? Or would you just try to schedule stuff that seems within reason? Let me know how you would handle it in the comments down below. Our next story is from Weird Stories here. Prove to me this is wrong. Okay. When I was in my first year at university, first semester of mechanics, pretty early on we were doing exercises on distance, speed, and acceleration, and how each is the derivative of the previous. As an example, if the distance was x squared, speed was 2x, and acceleration was 2. Not gonna get much more in depth, so it's accessible to everyone that doesn't care about the math. So every week we'd get home a mini project, as in a big exercise to solve, and each one is different. They had about 60 slightly different variations. I loved the subject and math, so i do it immediately when given to me. Unfortunately, I was the kid that does everything either when received or when it has to be submitted, mainly laziness. I ask whether I can submit it that week so that I don't have to think about it till the next week, and I get a negative response. All is well. Next week, during the normal time, first 15 minutes, i go with the rest to submit my work first step was to calculate the second derivative of 2x squared which would be 4. the professor's assistant stops me and tells me that that's incorrect won't even look at the rest of the exercise i debate and she tells me no bring it back home and to rethink and come back later in the week with some other group and submit it with them okay it's tuesday i have time i go next day again no after being baffled the entire night Thursday is the last group for the week. After that, I lose the submittance time and it won't be graded, but still must be submitted for passing of the course. Thursday group was considered the good students group. She says no, I say yes, we butt heads, nothing. I insist, and she asks the class to make fun of me whether my wrong solution is correct. 100% of them hesitantly say that it is indeed. Even a girl comes up and says that she had the same variant as me and that her project was accepted with that exact same solution less than 10 minutes earlier. The PA tells her to sit down and turns to me and tells me to take it back home and rethink it. I'm going mad at that point and I ask her what she considers the correct answer to be and she says 4x, which is the first derivative. We argue some more and she insists on me to prove her wrong because she isn't next monday i walk in with my version of the project and hers both solved on two different papers i first submit hers and she takes a look and tells me the end result is wrong i say of course it is because that's not the correct second derivative again that would be 4 not 4x and i take out my version of it with the actual correct solution she says yes and then sees the second derivative and comes back to no at that point, I've lost the grade on that project, and I'm actually trying to get a full 100% on everything, because I want to transfer, but I can still get a 98 in the subject, which is still like an A over 95%, if I manage to submit the work. She tells me to prepare proof for my claim, and she'll come and watch me prove it on our next lecture with the professor. Keep in mind, lab groups have less than 15 students, lecture has 210, about 160 of whom show up. Next week I show up at the lecture having prepared the mathematical proof for how you get the second derivative, as well as the most detailed solution to the project I can come up with. I go to the professor before the start and ask him when I should present my work. He is dumbfounded about this, but he's an extremely cool guy, full nerd at heart, my kind of person. He takes a look for about 3 seconds and says that my project is correct. Where's the problem? I try to explain to him the claim of the PA but he doesn't believe me as it's so elementary. I tell him that's been going on for two weeks, and he looks to me like an alien. He says that he'll accept this, and if the PA confirms I've been submitting this from the first week, he'll give me the grade as well. On the third hour of the lecture, the PA actually shows up, and I go to her saying ready, but the professor interferes and says he'll accept my work. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Can you confirm when OP first showed you this solution to him? She goes to the professor and demands he allows me to prove my work. He's a nerd and a kind-hearted man and doesn't oppose her. I am there in front of at least 150 students, proving how you mathematically get a second derivative and explaining everything to her specifically and addressing her in front of everyone. There were also another 2 or 3 professor assistants that were always sitting in on the lectures watching. I prove everything on the big blackboard, and she comes up, picks the chalk up from my hand and just writes in her solution, where she uses the first derivative where the second one needs to go. She continues to solve all the way to the end after that, and she gets the same result as I got in my second paper that I'd made specifically for her i say yes miss x that is what i got on the solution i had to prepare specifically for you and back then you again realized that it was the wrong result if you look to your right here this is the correct result she starts mumbling and says but but i'm miss x i can't be wrong on this you'll listen to and just stops talking full silence in the auditorium the professor stands up after a long silence and confirms on my solution and just says, let's consider the topic closed, everyone, and move on. We spent a lot of time. At least you may learn this is how two intellectuals discuss a topic, which I believe was him trying to cover for her. It had become obvious to those that didn't even understand the math behind it who was correct. She got ridiculed a lot, I believe, because weeks later, I was walking the corridors of their department, and I overheard two of her colleagues discussing that event next year, she quit her teaching position at the university. A nasty rumor came out about her. There was a hearing about her that next year, and the rumor was not confirmed or proved, but some discussed her qualifications for her position after that event with a student, me, I believe, and she apparently submitted her resignation the very next day. So, I may have played a role in her leaving the university. To be fair, she got me back at the end of the semester at the exam, when I solved seven questions perfectly and did half of the eighth out of eight, and she forced the professor to give me a B- minus on the exam, forcing me to retake it. I would have gotten an A- minus otherwise, and with the grades of the mini-projects, I would have gotten a 96% or higher, which was acceptable to me. <laughs> I went and studied more and passed it with 100%, and I still found her at the professor's office after the retake, pleading with him to lower my grade because I ridiculed her. I wasn't angry or vindictive as there was nothing they, mainly she, could do with my work, on paper graded at 100%. I mean, let alone the fact that they're clearly not qualified to have this position, they're clearly unable to prevent bias against students. This person honestly doesn't deserve to work in any kind of education field. If you're going to be on a high horse because somebody upstaged you, because you failed to believe that they could possibly be right and you just didn't understand the work itself, and try to ruin the academics of that person for that, you definitely don't deserve to have any kind of assistant, teaching, professor, any kind of that role. This is the kind of behavior that, unless they do some reformation work, They should be straight up blacklisted from even being in that field of work. Our next story is from quiet Julia. So you don't want to pay me for taking a Sunday service call because I wasn't on call. This happened a number of years ago, but I thought I would share it here. I was working as a field service tech for a company in Canada. We had three major territories, Quebec, Ontario, and British Columbia. I lived in Ontario, and since our management was in Quebec, they looked at anything outside Quebec as being the rest of Canada. So we had two on-call teams, French for Quebec, and English for the rest of Canada. I'd only been with this company for a year, and one Sunday morning I received a call from a rep in Vancouver, telling me there was a service call in Toronto and I had to do it. I said, but I'm not on call. He told me we always cover the East if a Western rep is on call that week. So I spent pretty well the entire day performing this call. On Monday I sent in my paperwork along with my 2x overtime for Sunday. The next day they called me from the head office and told me that my overtime for Sunday was denied since I wasn't on call that week. So I asked them, if you're not going to pay me for my work, am I under any obligation to accept an after hours call when I'm not on call? They told me no, I wasn't under any obligation. I asked the manager to send this policy in an email, and they did so. Cue my malicious compliance. It was only two months later when the rep from Vancouver called me again on a Saturday, telling me I once again had to do a service call. I simply told him, sorry, I won't accept the call, since they won't pay me if I do. He didn't believe me, so I forwarded him the email and said good luck with it. I went back to what I was doing and heard nothing until Monday morning when my manager angrily called me and demanded to know why I wouldn't pick up the call. He told me that the Vancouver rep had to fly to Toronto on business class since no economy seats were available. He had to get an expensive rental car and an expensive hotel room. He then demanded to know why I refused to take the call. The travel costs were over $5,000. I then explained that the last time I had done this the head office refused to pay me, and I wasn't about to work for free since that's called slavery. I also forwarded their email to him. That shut him up and I later found the sales manager wanted me fired, until they showed him the policy and they knew I would sue if they tried to fire me. It was a week later, lo and behold a new on-call policy was issued, telling us if we weren't on-call, but picked up an after-hours call not only would we be paid for performing it but we would also be paid a 200 hundred dollar bounty just for taking the call they never did pay me for that sunday call but i managed to work it into my overtime with a bit more for my troubles i lasted another year at that job but there was always too much bs so i found a better job and left If you have an experience like this with a company where they're trying to shortchange you and get you to do some work off hours for free and just stonewall you when you try to get paid for it, should your main MO be to pivot and look for immediate employment somewhere else? Is that a sign that it's time to stop working at this location? I'd like to know what you guys think. That said, our final story of the day is from Loose Mongoose. No business class flight unless it's 8 hour transit? No worries. Recently changed jobs and new workplace policy is if you have to be in transit more than 8 hours, you get a business class flight. I had to fly from Melbourne to New York and the cheapest and quickest business class flight was Melbourne to San Fran to New York. However, the business class flight was denied for the San Fran to New York leg because it was less than 8 hours. No worries, change the flight to go via Dubai, which means two 13-hour flights at a much higher cost and an extra day per diem and a four-hour visit to the Moe Shandon Bar in the Emirates Business Lounge in Dubai. So you mean to tell me that if you're working for this company and you're going on a seven-hour or a six-hour flight, which is already like a lot, they're just going to expect you to go sit in economy? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like if your company is at the point where you're having employees flying all around the country, all around the world, you can probably afford some kind of business class seat for them, especially when they're starting in Australia and their ultimate destination is in New York. Just because that last stretch, that last connecting flight is less than eight hours, they're going to just forget about all the hours it took just to get to San Francisco. Enjoy that time in Dubai. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy malicious compliance story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.
0: Hold up.